Hey everybody and welcome. You are listening to Lox LaRue's Locker Room. Join me each episode with a different special guest. We'll be breaking the locks off toxic masculinity one locker at a time. This week I'm joined by the daring Foboy, who is a performance artist and fashion designer. Today, me and Fo talk about the pressure to be a man, cloning in the queer community, and the benefits of having control over your own artwork. Please note that the conversations between me and my guests are purely based on our own thoughts and experiences. Now with all that in mind, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome everybody, and just before we start, here is a lesson in Masculinity 101. From a medical perspective, erectile dysfunction is characterised by regular and persistent difficulty in getting hard. Men who have difficulty getting hard due to anxiety rarely meet the medical definition of erectile dysfunction. The medical community has increasingly concentrated on facilitating the quality of men's sexual lives rather than helping them acknowledge and cope with anxiety or natural decline. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Lox LaRue's Locker Room. I'm joined here today by Foboy. Hi. Hi. How are you today? You can let out a lovely audience know how you are because I know you've already told me a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well, trying to um, like get used to lockdown and figuring out how you can still create things in a world where nothing's open. But I think with challenges, it, it makes you think maybe more creatively when you can't do things so quickly, you know? Yeah, that is that is true. I found I've, I've been like my most creative, I think, during this time. I don't know if you've found that or whether you've had creative blocks and stuff like that. I think it comes on and off. Like the way that I figured out to do it is realistically, you're like locked in a building for however long lockdown's going to be. Um, and I think it's just about listening. So like my sleeping pattern isn't really a pattern, but like if I'm awake and I feel like I can work, I'll work. And then if I'm tired, I'll just go to bed. Yeah, I think nothing like routines and stuff and everything's just out the window, isn't it? Because um, I've had some time off recently from work and then I was going to bed at like four in the morning and getting up at like 12. But then I had to go back to work um, and then I have to be up really early for that sometimes. So obviously when I went the first day back, I had like only like one or two hours sleep and stuff. Exactly. But um, yeah, the life of a creative is always being up at weird times, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kick off straight with the conversation then. Um, so if you could give us a bit of background about growing up, like what that was like for you, especially in terms of like, obviously being gay and stuff like that, if whatever you feel comfortable telling us. Yeah, I think um, from a young age, I, um, I knew I was um, queer for sure. Um, and um, I found that when I was younger, it was a lot easier for me to be able to express myself because I think when you're like um, seen as the stage before a man, you are allowed to be a lot freer as a child, um, at least where I came from. Like there were less questions being asked of the way I dressed because I was younger. And then I found the older I came and the more I came across other um, boys or guys or whatever you want to call them that were my age, I realized that there were a lot more societal pressures that you had to kind of live out to. Um, but my main story is really, I went to a lot of different high schools um, and I just couldn't fit in anywhere. So then I was homeschooled for a bit and I found that was good because it allowed me to kind of be in my own space and figure out what I wanted to do or not do. And I also got involved in nightlife and drag from about the age of 14. Um, but obviously now I don't do drag, but um, I think that was kind of my gateway to finding some kind of community. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, or most of that, because um, 
yeah I feel like you get past a certain age doesn't you and then all of a sudden like there's this like random expectations I was I was reading a, a book actually I think it was um Tan Fran's uh, Tan France's book from Queer Eye I think he was saying that there's it comes to a certain age where all of a sudden there's like this weird like masculine and feminine like toxic bullshit kind of thing where it's like all of a sudden you're like told to you know you can't do this you can't do that so can you can you sort of remember then like anyone ever saying stuff to you or or when it came to a point where it's like oh I can't you know I've got to somehow be a man now in quotation marks (laughs) yeah I think maybe from about the year five um in primary school I started to feel that like obviously there's so much division within um the English school system like boys line here girls line there and I just knew from the beginning that like um, whatever that was I didn't fit into it um and then I found the older I got and the more I came across other people that were my age that they found it really really difficult to kind of like have a conversation with me either because I was maybe a bit older than my age or the way that I saw things was a bit different um yeah and it also comes with um at the same time that happened, I also started to feel like a lot of sexualization. You know what I mean? As um, a young person. I was talking about on another podcast episode, actually, about um, feeling sexualized. Maybe this is from a different angle. Um, when I first uh, went to high school, I think I found that um, a lot of bullies actually would sexualize me and then talk about me having sex with other men. When I, I hadn't really um, thought about my sexuality at all, um, like who I was attracted to I felt quite innocent and then I felt like a bit like sexualized by other people um but obviously I think as I've you know gotten older and been part of the LGBT community and the burlesque community and stuff I feel like I've come to get that power back and sort of take control of my own like sexuality and try not to be sexualized by others so in terms of like your experience with that then however much you want to go into it what would you what would you say in regards to that then I think um, I've always been really aware of sex uh, from a young age. I've always, um, sex has been something that before I even knew what it was, I don't know why, it's just been something that, um, just the way that I'm wired, it's been something that I found was a really good tool for me to like um, get rid of things and things like that. But starting so young, I think think the reason that I started so young was when you're younger and you're queer or whatever you are, you already are wired to think that um, sex or um, making love or whatever you want to call it to someone of the same gender or something that isn't heteronormative is wrong. So I think when you are younger and you're a queer person, you find yourself in compromising positions. You don't question that it's wrong because you think the act of doing it in the first place is already wrong. So when you're maybe with someone that's older or whatever it might be, um, you don't really register that it's a problem or consent is a problem because you think even the act of you being attracted to someone of the same sex or someone that's queer is wrong. So of course it should feel bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I get that completely because I don't know about you, but from primary school that was quite religious, like it was quite um, and then they were like always like man and woman and even sex education we did it in year six and it was just I think it was like you had the guys had to draw like a guy like a man a naked man and the girls had to draw like um a naked woman and then it was kind of like um and then like obviously it was like Adam and Eve etc and then I kind of I think I had kind of like feelings wasn't really sure of them but I thought that that's wrong to think that because obviously there was no education or awareness or other role models and stuff so I get it from that early standpoint yeah and then I think obviously I think certain things can help can't they to sort of 
you know, um, help you accept your sexuality and stuff. What do you think helped you learn to, well, unless you're still learning or what do you think helps you? I don't know. I think it, um, what helps you? Hmm. I don't know. I still think there's a struggle with it. I think um, sex um, can come with a lot of different barriers. All the work that I create, whether it's fashion or music or just any kind of art is um, centered around sex and the constant conversation of like good and bad because I think um, it's just a taboo topic and especially for people that are queer that um, it still takes quite a long time to learn about where the line is of what's right and what's wrong. But yeah in terms of like then like um, your experiences with like toxic masculinity within the queer community would you say um, have you got any examples where you think you've struggled or you've seen anything like obviously this male body image is a big one isn't it um so yeah yeah um toxic masculinity more so plays on my life that i feel like there weren't ever any queer people within my family before so it was like trying to live up to whatever you think your dad or your brother is do you know what i mean and trying to become that um, but within the community i think it's difficult because within any community men always seem to have the upper hand um, so with that, you're constantly trying to appease them by um, playing into whatever they think is right. But then when you're someone that maybe lives outside of a, a binary or is kind of against the idea of labels, it becomes difficult because there's equal parts of me that is trying to like emulate the perfect man, but then also kind of wants to, you know, have that duality of being able to be many things, you know. Um, the gay community especially is obsessed with the idea of archetypes. Um, I don't know if you know, but like there's, um, there's always been this conversation about this idea of cloning, which is um, gay people that are emulating like these ideas of the perfect man, whether it's like the cowboy or the policeman or the, you know, the hippie or the leather man, but they do it in such a sexualized way that it be kind of becomes like a parody of it. And I think a lot of our community is still trying to like emulate or look at the shadow of what that was instead of maybe trying to redefine what the new version of the archetypes are now, if you know what I mean. Like you go to a, a gay club and there are like four cowboys, uh, do you know what I mean, and all these things. But realistically, there's a part of it that is like reappropriation of an idea, which, I, which I'm here for. But I just feel like we can't keep living in a generation that is um, in the past. We need to start redefining what we all are as individuals. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And so that kind of links on nicely with like um, performing as well. Um, so I'll, I'll talk, I can talk a bit about my performing as well, but with your like performing style, um, I know you've said you've done drag before and you've got like sort of an androgynous style as well. How would you describe like your performing style and sort of linking in kind of like with your last point then? Um, yeah, with like cloning. Um my performance style, it, it was ever changing and performance was just something that I felt free to do. So when I was younger, I actually used to work at a strip club, but I would um, dress as a girl. So they didn't know that um, at the time um, I thought that I was identifying as trans, but I didn't understand that the binary was so much more open. So I think my performance has always been a way for me to escape the same as with everyone. And I think um, now I've maybe fine tuned it and I realize that every single day is performance and you know I dress up as these things because um, for some reason they help me you know the same as all of us same with burlesque the same with all of it and then you realize that the skills that you get from a performance space especially a safe one if you put them into your real life you can actually get a lot further 
Yeah, and I feel like I've 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 been learning a lot about performing and stuff. The more I've been going on, and I think a lot of people describe um, it as like when you're performing, like an, it's an extension, like when you're on stage, it's like an extension of yourself. It's not necessarily like a, another person. Um, so, in terms of like an, another way to express yourself as well. So, would you say like um, with your performing and stuff, would you say that that helped you express yourself, like your different um, gender expression and stuff like that as well. Yeah, especially originally, like I started off as Miss Bo, and I would um, almost constantly be living um, that persona. Um, and I found at the time it was really freeing, and it was a complete contrast to the toxic masculine ideal of what it meant to be a man. Um, and now, obviously, I go by faux boy, whether that's within the fashion industry. I even use that within um, the industry that I'm in now. I don't have people refer to me as Joel. Um, and it's like the constant name transformation is just sort of like something that I find really freeing. And I find that every five years or so, um, I do want to um, redirect the way that I look, the way that I act, the way that I want other people to perceive me. I think performance was the first space to do that because it felt safe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, before we just um, talk about your your fashion and stuff, I wanted to just um, briefly touch on a few performance things. Um, and um, yeah, because I know that when I've seen you perform before, um, you did um, you, your own song and stuff as well, which is, is really good. Um, so I know that I just wanted to talk a bit about like, that the process of that and um, because I know that for me I've sort of um because I've, I've hosted and stuff as well and um, so I've sort of sang on the mic and I've kind of um what I did was we did a Christmas show um when shows are still going um and do you know the song from Aladdin a friend um the genie song mm-hmm. a friend like me I think it's good um so I basically I rewrote the lyrics to that to suit like a hosting style um so that that was quite fun um, and I sort of um, I was singing and stuff so I, it was it was like the first time trying it out but I found it really really fun and I think relating back to that um, I used to have singing lessons at school and stuff um, and I, I did join the choir because like I wanted to do arty stuff possibly more feminine stuff at the time rather than sports and stuff for PE um, but I remember people were being a bit you know funny about that fact that I was going to singing lessons I, I used to try not to tell people when I left the class because um, they like associated it with femininity and stuff or even if we were singing and stuff people would be like oh you've got a high voice when you're singing so I don't know if you could have jumped the gun a bit but if you could um, talk a bit about your sort of singing or experience with like music like in the past and then relating to like your performance now. Mm-hmm. Yeah before um, I moved to London I was um, heavily on the Birmingham scene doing drag and um, at that point I was doing more like performance art like painting myself um, spitting blood like things like that it was more of like a concept character Um, and then I moved to London and um, I was in a halls where everyone was extremely creative Um, and I found that um, I just kind of started to merge into something a lot different Um, and then I um, one day thought of the character of Faux Boy um, and that's when the music started and I did um, music um, and it was kind of about me sort of addressing my childhood Um, and thinking about this like sick kind of broken um, child and like maybe what that looks like within a camp perspective. So I started to write music as a way to kind of get over past trauma, but it was more a space performance art and it was more kind of circumstantial. You know what I mean? I just found that I needed to do it within the time. So yeah, I made up this character and then I started to perform in London and in Birmingham and different songs that I had done that also included performance within it. 
and it was just sort of um, my way of kind of um, getting some stuff out of my mind. Yeah, I feel like that that was what I did to kind of, I know it was like an, it was a pre-existing song, but I sort of um, changed the lyrics and it was sort of in it, I was talking about my hosting, but about my personality as well. Um, so it was kind of like, it was kind of fun, but it kind of felt like, like you said as well, it was a good way of sort of channeling how other people have perceived me. Um, but I kind of did it in like a positive way and sort of taking the power back from from like my angle. Um, so and, and sort of actually celebrating like my feminine qualities as well in the song and in the performance. As we're moving on to like the sort of the latter part of the, the conversation, I wanted to talk a bit obviously about your, your fashion. So could you just tell us a bit about that sort of um, how it all started um, how you sort of got into fashion and then we can talk a bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I, I started sewing when I was probably about eight or nine. Uh, my gran is a seamstress, so that was the first time I learned how to do the basics. Um, and then when I um, was younger and I got involved in stripping, I found that I could make a lot of money from making the other girls in the venue costumes. Um, so then it, it kind of progressed, and the more I realised there was a lot of money in it, because before university I managed to like fundraise like three grand just from making clothes for the performers. Um, but now I'm within like obviously a more... Um, educated space where it's a lot more about industry and now I'm more looking to starting my own kind of like um, brand that is more for queer people and it's affordable instead of having like queer people be like on the mood board and then it be sold to like rich white women in Germany like it's more about like the clothes are a bit more expensive but they're for queer people in their origin you know what I mean I don't want that to be like muddled up um, and I just found that I think it's important as a creative to look at like the skills you have and whatever art form you can um, take full control of without the help of other people is in the time the thing maybe you should pursue the most because if you have the most control over it it's probably going to be the best um, if you understand what I mean. Yeah wow that's really interesting and obviously now tying it in with like toxic masculinity and stuff because um, I know that I've seen your style as well um, your own style as well is it you've like sort of expressed that with like androgyny and stuff and um could you tell us a bit about that then yeah um i've always had an obsession with like the early club kids um i found that obviously it's um quite kitsch but like the idea of dressing as armor was something that i always found super powerful and i found the more and more i kind of blurred my own lines of like using myself as the beginning process and then blurring it and blurring it and becoming more androgynous and um, I found that that actually started to help me and then um, it's difficult because the more androgynous I feel the more comfortable I feel within myself whereas if I was to be put in like a hoodie and a pair of jeans obviously we all do do that but I feel the less like myself but I think that's the same for a lot of people. Yeah that, that absolutely and um, do you think you've always felt comfortable to sort of express yourself with like an androgynous style or dressing how you wanted to um, mixing like masculine and femininity together or do you think it was it's sort of um, as you've been older you've been able to do that more? Um, it was from year 10 um, which was the first year that I started performing art school that I knew that if I went there I could really really start to experiment with it um, and it was within the process of being um, within art school or within a musical theatre school that I really, really started to push the boundaries um, of what I could and couldn't wear. Um, but I, like I was saying at the beginning, like when I was younger, I think um, naturally when I was more freer, I was actually a lot more androgynous than even maybe I am now. 
Um, and obviously things get redefined and we change and we find two things and we, re and we refine it. But um, yeah, I think androgyny has always been something that I've been obsessed with. How would you describe your, your style then? Um, like your, your style and like the clothes that you make style? It's like very um, referential. Like I, and there's a lot of research in the way that I dress. I spend a lot of time reading and a lot of time um, finding like specific books. Um, obviously, because I come from like an educated um, background in fashion, that's something that we're um, like forced to do within the process for good or for bad. But um, I'm like, I'm definitely trying um, to emulate like 30 years ago within um, the gay or queer community. Um, but maybe just trying to make it a lot fresher. Um, I don't know, it's just, I'm sure the same with you, it's like constant obsession with re um, niche references. Yeah. Looking at fetish, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so do you think like you've got a passion for um, fetish clothing and stuff like that, like whether it's wearing it or making it? Yeah, I, um, it's, yeah, I think so. I think it's the idea of dressing for sex that I find so interesting. The idea that something can make you seem sexual to someone has always been something that has really interested me. And I think if you can manipulate it enough, you can use it to your advantage. Um, obviously, it comes with dangerous things, but that's always been something I've been obsessed with. All of my work has always been about um, about sex and about fetish, but I think that comes from obviously my background in sex work, and I've done a lot of fetish work within that as well. Um, so yeah, it was just something that I found interesting. For your research then, whether it's through lived experience or from stuff that you've done, like um, for educational stuff, um, do you think, have you found out, have you found out any interesting discoveries in terms of like femininity or masculinity or um, to do with queer related things? Or I know that's probably hard to think of something now. Yeah, um, my collection right um, now, what um, a big reference of it is um, Audrey and the Dentist from Little Shop of Horrors yeah um, and in, uh, the thing i found interesting about that and especially within like musicals is um this like um the presentation of mass um females and males within a musical space like obviously if you've seen not of horrors like the dentist is like this sadistic abusive um powerful man and then audrey is you know like this woman that is her biggest dream is to like just own a house and have kids do you know what i mean and I think what I find interesting in the discovery of that is when you look at their style, like the way they dress, then you think that queerness is about maybe taking the best of those two things. And the, the thing that I find interesting in my mind or how I present as queer, and I think other people as well, is it's all about this thing that I always think about of duality, you know, about finding the soft and the hard between the two things and completely contrasting them. Leaving, leaving us now then, would, have you got anything that you'd say, that you'd like to say, like, in terms of what we've talked about, or um, giving advice to other people who are either queer or, you know, wanting to express themselves through performing or fashion or anything like that? Yeah, I think the most important thing that I wish I could tell myself when I was younger was to not try and be something, just to be it. Do you know what I mean? The, I think the biggest problem that you face as a queer person is because you're taught so much that if you want to be a man or a woman, you have to follow this um, structure. Um, if you really want to be like cool or whatever the word is, you know what I mean, or be um, someone that has like um, a lot of duality, like I always say, like the main thing to it is don't try too hard. Like just find the things that make you happy. And with that will come the confidence that um, what people say won't have to bother you as much.
I would like to thank Pho for coming on to this podcast. If you want to catch more of Pho, then check them out on Instagram at Pho underscore boy. Thank you for listening to Loxlaroo's Locker Room. We'll see you soon. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at Loxlaroo. Bye. I don't know whether you do. Do you ever watch Ugly Betty when you're younger? Oh yeah. So I um, last year I spent um, three months of my time interning, um, and I remember before I went to it, I watched Ugly Betty and like Devil Wears Prada, and I was like really scared that it was going to be like to that degree. But honestly, like every time I've been involved in industry, um, whenever that has been, obviously, hopefully, it'll be more in the future. Um, it's one of the most, especially fashion or the ones that I've been around, the, the brands I've worked with have been maybe the most open to my situation and everyone else's situation and they've never made me get coffee so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about.